0: It's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A
1: 69-yard touchdown. It takes a shot. Here's Collins Davis, wide open. Davis, still going, and he's in for the touchdown. he
0: hit immediately yes. he got the handoff. You know <laughs> The q Oh, my gosh. Thank you
1: from the playlikeajet.com digital studios. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And we are reviewing the 2021 offseason because now all the major moves... Have been made unless of course the Jets somehow wind up getting Russell Wilson. I don't see that happening but if it does then I guess we can revisit this concept. But we're talking about what the Jets did in free agency, the coaching hires, the draft, everything that has shaped what the team looks like it's going to be in 2021 and perhaps beyond. And so, of course, we bring bringing the godfather and made him an awful he couldn't refuse of Jets podcast and the host of There's Always Next Year here on Play Like a Jet with his buddies, Travis Milton and Josh Conrad, Mr. Brian Bassett. Brian, thanks for coming back on the show, brother.
0: I am excited to be back, as always. I'm super excited to talk about all of the awesome, awesome offseason that the Jets have had here and the foundation that they're building
1: Let's unpack that because in the series that they just did, Flight 2021, the Jets talked about their search for the head coach. And at the end, Joe Douglas spoke about what he was looking for. He wanted a leader. He wanted somebody that could help build this culture. And so Robert Sala was their guy. And in fact, in the series, Christopher Johnson says that after they had their conversation with Sala, I think at one point they had a break, and he got all excited and went to run over to Joe Douglas and say, I think we got our guy, and they were on the same page there. What did you think of the hire? Me, personally, and I've talked about this a lot, I really like the fact that... Sala wasn't connected to Joe Douglas Not because somebody connected to Joe Douglas Would have been bad But it just told me so much About what Douglas was doing with this search That he wasn't just going to bring in someone he knew He wanted to cast a wide net And get the guy that he truly felt Would be the best person for the job What would you think of the search And what would you think of the ultimate result Which is the hiring of Robert Sala
0: I, I think I'm in line with you I really liked it a lot When they made it, uh, I was excited. When he was, you know, one of the finalists, were there other coaches that I was interested in, uh, for sure? And right, and some of them had ties, as you say, to Joe Douglas. But to your point, the fact that uh, Joe Douglas did not take an approach where he had, uh, you know, a a bias because I've worked with this person or I know this person, Um, he he truly right went into it and said, "Who do I think is going to be the best?" person for this team who's going to make this team respond the most who is going to fit and thrive best in a culture like New York Uh, and I think it's clearly Salah and you know there's lots of other great things about him I mean Jets obviously have a a long history of finding defensive head coaches uh, you know coaches with Defensive coordinator or defensive coach experience, who they tend to hire as head coach, and I think that's something to do with kind of the you know tough and gritty nature of of New York and what it's about and what you know people expect and, and all that sort of thing. But at the same time, a lot of times when you see those coaches, they are also very uh, they, they want to bring in the guy who's just going to run the ball for them and let the defense you know be the star of the show. And we've seen that multiple times during our our our, uh, our ten years as, as Jets fans, I'm sure. But but in this case, you have a guy who has a high energy defense, kind of all gas no break, as he talks about. But is going to take that same all gas no break approach to the offensive side of the ball. So so yes, you know, was Chris Johnson maybe a little overly giddy in kind of like the very first time he talks to a guy, feeling like this is the guy, like maybe. But also at the same time, I think it's a testament to his charisma, his personality, his his clear uh, intelligence um, and and right as a guy who's going to bring now his experience with some successful organizations to New York. I mean, I I know we love first time head coaches uh, in the Jets organization, but I don't know if you could have done much better than this first time head coach.
1: What did you think of the staff that Salah put together?
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, specifically he, you know, he brought in some folks that he knew, you know, talk about people, you know, um, that obviously in coaching matters a lot more because you have to be on the same page, especially if you're trying to build a locker room culture or, you know, culture in the building. Um, you know, bringing Lafleur from the 49ers to help him, uh, I think was was valuable. And, and I really like, I'm not really like a coach-centric worshiper of, you know, like, oh, Shanahan is, you know, the, the prince that was promised or anything like that. But at the same time, I do like what Shanahan's system is about. It's about, you know, moving horizontally on the offensive line, getting your... Running backs into a position where they can, you know, find a hole, you know, boom, hit that hole and burst through. And you know what? We're going to have three of the same style 200 to 210 pound track stars on our roster because those guys tend to get hurt. And we need some, you know, receivers who can move past the chains and catch either contested balls or you know have a flanker who they've clearly brought in um so like they they have a system they have a design of what they're trying to do and that design is not three i don't think it will be you know 3 yards in a cloud of dust it's going to be much more uh you know let's let's move the chains. Let's keep moving the chains and we're going to throw on first down. We're going to throw on second down. We're going to throw on third down. Like doesn't matter. We're going to throw as much as we can. And then we'll use the running game to set up the passing game, but in a way to, you know, always be moving the chains. Um, So I, I like the staff. I like, the fact that he, I mean, he did, (laughs) he raided his old coaching staff a little bit, um, um, Shanahan's coaching staff a little bit, at least more on the offensive side. Correct though. And, but then on the defensive side, you know, I mean, I know he's going to abstract himself and be the head coach of this team, but it's definitely going to have his stamp and his flavor. And you would expect, especially in the first year, he's going to have a lot of input on, um, You know, setting up for the game day uh, for the defense and then but right, he's got to stay abstracted from it. So so I do like the coaching staff. I think he's brought that he's brought in. I think it's um, it's a testament to the fact that they're going to try and play hard on defense and they're going to equally try and play aggressive and hard on offense, which is through passing. Play like a Jet. Play
1: like a Jet. Brian, what did you think of what they did internally with their own in house free agents? Marcus May got the franchise mm-hmm. tag. Jordan Jenkins is gone. Brian Poole is gone. So some of the guys that became staples, at least for a year or two, and in the case of Jenkins, quite a bit longer than that, mm-hmm. now they're gone. We'll talk about external free agency in a bit, but what do you think of how they handled re signing or not re signing their own players?
0: Yeah, I I mean I like Marcus May. I think putting him on a one year deal is fine, especially with just the uh, you know the pure cap room that they had available to them. I mean he he is a good safety. I know he's had some moments in the past, you know that we that we think back to like that play where he was running backwards down the field, and you you focus on that. But you look at what he did last year. You look at what he did without Jamal Adams. Um, in the organization and he had an incredible year and so you think about that kind of player that kind of physical player that kind of you know tone setting player and putting him in a uh, uh, you know in a a Robert Sala defense like I think that's going to be a great uh, solution I don't know that I want to go pay safety's you know top dollar money like it's just, you know, analytics or whatever comes down to like it's not the most valuable place to put your money. Uh, and so, so that could have longer, longer concerns that the Jets are going to have to think about. But, but I like that. I mean, I, I was actually kind of surprised that they didn't just ax CJ Mosley out of the organization just to get a little bit of cap space back. But I think, you know, he's he kind of feels like another, um, what, what would you say addition to the team obviously he um you know he for went playing with the season last uh playing with the jets last year due to uh covid and then the year prior to that he was he was injured so i think he does have a lot to prove um I, I i like the fact that they brought him back because basically like what's the value in pushing that guy out the door other than you know paying paying a lot of you know dead dead cap money so um yeah, I mean, overall, I think that they were – I know that they went out and got some some folks in free agency for the line, and we can talk about that in a little bit. But, like, I think that people were panicking. People were getting, like, crazy at the start of free agency when we missed out on, you know, guys like uh, Tooney and, like, some of the other players that were out there, like, who were just not going to go to a rebuilding team. Like, they want to go and play for a contender and make top dollar, you know, which Tooney did. And so, like – I think what people and even journalists were not doing a good job of was looking at this organization, looking at the offensive line and saying, hey, this is a group that's actually already put together. It's pretty athletic. Like we certainly need to add players to that, which they did. Um, but we don't need to go spend, you know 20 million dollars in cap space this year to do it. So I think the fact that they were actually very calm, in terms of approaching free agency um, and just keeping the players they already had, like I really like that about the offensive line because I think it set up a base that they could then build on top of um, with a couple pieces and parts. Uh, but yeah, all, all in all, I mean, I think they did a, I think they did a good job. And I don't know if like Jameson Crowder really factors into this, but I, I mean, I thought going into the into free agency, he was just going to be a straight up cut. Um, But the fact that, I mean, I know it's been months on since, you know, since the start of free agency, but I think the fact that they've kept him, they reduced his cap number uh, and he can still be a, you know, a part of this team this year is great because as much as I like some of the players that they brought in, Jameson Crowder is still a valuable piece. And so finding a way to make it work on the roster, uh, you know, and, and, and allow their new quarterback, another veteran receiver is it has, has tons of value. So, so I, I really like that move too, which we're really not counting when we're thinking about kind of free agency time. But I, I think with the recent moves there, I think it certainly ties back to some of their thought process from the beginning, which is we don't need to rush to cut this guy.
1: As the jets director of pro player personnel said, In flight 2021 A measured approach to free agency Is what Mm -hmm. they were looking for And that's more or less what they ended up doing Now there were some splashes Corey Davis got a fair amount of money As did Carl Lawson But more of the signings were along the lines of Measured, Keelan Cole on a one year deal Joyner on a one year deal Justin Hardy, a special teamer They didn't break Mm -hmm. the bank For all the players that they got They paid Carl Lawson a fair amount of money and they're on the hook for it for two years because that third year, as you know, with these contracts, Brian, ends up becoming irrelevant. The guarantees are all in the first two years. Similar situation for Corey Davis. Those were the big splashes. But there were some other key pieces that were added. Sheldon Rankin's, I thought, was a really nice mm-hmm. addition. That so, was a
0: great move. Yeah, I love that move. What
1: would you think overall? Did you like the way that they handled it? I know you said that you liked that they had a measured approach, but did you like the ultimate results? Yeah,
0: I mean, because, you know, this is a first-year head coach. Uh, I know fans are excited. I know that there's new life kind of in the fan base for, for a variety of very uh, grounded and, and, and smart reasons. Um, but at the same time, like, this is the first year Of a new coach and a new scheme and a new process and so so we do need to give it time and while of course i always want them to win i want them to win every game um like i like the moves that they've made right to to all the points you've said like you know they've signed they signed a bunch of players on the defensive line and kind of you know um you know outside linebacker so you know curry as you said uh sheldon rankins um, Carl Lawson, of course, uh, who, which that's kind of an exciting move to me. So, I mean, I think those, those were some big, big moves and big deals, you know, well, Carl Lawson and, um, uh, and, uh, well, Rankin's got like what 17 million over two years, uh, Curry was, you know, much, much smaller deal, but, but I think those are great players that are going to allow Salah to get some pressure, whether internally with someone like Rankins or externally from guys like Lawson or Curry. And then also, you know, wherever they line up Mosley, that'll be interesting to see what they do with him. Um, you know, so I think he's going to have a variety of ways in which he can kind of blend in and bring pressure on, uh, on the opposing quarterback and opposing offensive line. Um, so I, I like those moves. And I think that's something that Salah wants. Like he knew that he wasn't going to get everything he wanted this year on the defensive side of the ball. So he needed some pieces to, you know, pick up, pick up the pace and make opposing quarterbacks, make decisions more quickly and not just destroy the secondary, which I think is young and, um, there's potential there, but is certainly not proven. Right. So, so the best way to kind of help them out is to get the ball out of the quarterback's hand more quickly. Um, you know, hopefully on making worse decisions and making worse throws. Um, but then in terms of um, I like the LaMarcus joiner pickup kind of in the, in the secondary, I think that's, that's a good move. Um, you know, Jared, Jared Davis kind of in the middle of the defense. I think he's great. He could be valuable. Um, I think it was unclear at the time, whether what that meant for CJ Mosley, but I think it's clear come, coming into picture. They're just looking to build depth. Right. And then, and then right, you talked about you know on the on the offensive side of the ball. Like I I had guesses what they were gonna try and do on offense with LaFleur um, and the players that they had, but I didn't really like I couldn't validate that until they made that Tevin Coleman signing. Once now I, I understand Tevin Coleman is probably very close to the end of his career, he's had a number of injuries. And he's susceptible to, to injuries, but he's the type of player, he's like the prototypical player of what a Shanahan offense wants out of their running back. They want that like lightning quick, super bursty, you know, not bell cow, not, not necessarily like a Saquon Barkley type. They want someone a little smaller than that, a little shiftier, someone who can hit that second gear and just, you know, <laughs> you know, maybe maybe not every- every play is going to be, you know, 40 yards downfield, but that guy could get 40 yards downfield. And so you think about him, you think about, you know, Ty Johnson, who they already had in the building. You think about Michael Carter, who they brought in in the draft, and we'll get to that a little bit. Like, they all have a very same prototypical style, and it's all that, like, one cut, like, move laterally, one cut, boom, and then you're off to the races, kind of uh, running back. Like, that to me was like, okay, I see what they're trying to build, and then they also went out and they got Corey Davis in around that same time, and Keelan Cole, um, who are both interesting players. One of the interesting things that they, the Shanahan offense has done in recent years. Now, I think people sometimes misread what an offense is. They like what a Shanahan offense is. They misread it with like who they have in the system, right? And so people look at, well, you've got Debo, and you've got um, Brandon Ayuk. And so it's, you know, it's this thing. But what what I would say is just from reading up on Shanahan's systems a lot is he likes those guys who can play the X and the Y positions like simultaneously so they can move into the slot and they can like bully up a player like a slot receiver, you know, in there. And that's Corey Davis can do that. Um, I think Denzel Mims could do that. I think Keelan Cole, while he's maybe not as, you know – athletic as those two guys I think he has that ability um he was widely overlooked in in Jacksonville he had a couple you know bright shining moments there uh but it really never translated into anything longer term I mean they also got guys like LaVisca Chenault and other players in that in that offense so he he didn't get as many chances as he might have Uh, but having uh having a Keelan Cole as depth is not a bad thing and then um so, so you have those players who are interchangeable. Someone like Jamison Crowder is less able to kind of move to the boundary. He's much more uh, more effective in that slot role. Um, and then, of course, they added the player in, in free uh, in in the draft in um, Elijah Moore, who I think unlocks all of it. But having two guys like Corey Davis and Denzel Mims, specifically, who can play on the boundary or in the slot, and who you can kind of mix and match and get the um, you know, get the matchups that you want in those players. Like that is tempting. Like that's very tempting and very exciting for me to look forward to when I think about September. Um, and then the offensive line. Like, um, I haven't even talked about the offensive line. Uh, I love the kind of the the Dan Feeney move. Um, uh, I think that dude is awesome. And I think you know the fact, as I said, like they didn't do much, but they did enough to basically solidify that interior and then right with some let's say pending moves that came in the draft and right maybe between now and training camp you know in in the you know in 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 Morgan Moses like that group is going to be that's going to go from one of the worst groups in the um in the league to you know i don't know certainly top 15 maybe even top 10 you know in, in any year like i could see that easily happening um so all in all very happy very happy b plus is that fair is that fair scott b plus <laughs>
1: Glad to hear you so optimistic. I love it, especially after all the years where it was all downtrodden talk. I'm happy to see (laughs) that this is a little more positive this time. But let's talk about Sam Darnold because the last time we were all this positive is when the Jets got Darnold. We thought the quarterback woes were over. And unfortunately they weren't Before we get to what the Jets did in the draft Let's talk about the trade This is the second offseason in a row Mm. Where Joe Douglas made a big trade Of a player that he had on his roster Jamal Adams the one last year This year it was Darnold How surprised are you that it ended this way For Sam Darnold And do you think it was the right move to trade him away and start fresh or would you have stuck with him drafted players to build around him and hope that he still became the player that they were expecting him to become when they drafted him at number 3 overall
0: in January, February, March, you know the thought is, you know, Penesuel is a, is a player who could be a world-class offensive tackle and, you know, th- if this guy falls outside the top like if there was no no point in my mind where I thought Pene Suel would fall outside the top five. Right now, what I didn't count for was, um, you know, the sheer interest in folks in moving up to get quarterback and some of the, some of the trades that moved around, but regardless, even where Pene Suel fell, like he should have probably gone before that. So I think that was a big thing in my head of saying like, okay, we've got Becton. You could add, you could add a uh, Suell here and you could bookend this, you know, this, uh, this quarterback and whatever he is, maybe, maybe we're actually going to, you know, like if it would ever happen, this would be the time um, in which it happens. But now, like I, I don't think that's fair. And so as, as I kind of move closer to the draft, it was clear that the quarterbacks were going to go early. Uh, meaning some of them even fell and that's, and that's fine. But, but um. You know, regardless, like I, I knew the Jets were gonna. It was when you have the second pick that does not happen very often. You're ne- you're almost never in a co- in a class have a quarterback class that's as stacked as this one. I mean, just think about the class that Daniel Jones went in just a couple of years ago compared to this class. Like, where would Daniel Jones be in this class? Like, I I think he would be Mac Jones, like maybe slightly above or probably below like I, I don't know where he would have fallen but I wouldn't have been surprised to see him you know like start there uh, so just, just the point that this was a super talented quarterback draft so if you're going to draft a quarterback like you might as well do it now so if that's the decision and the, and this new organization a new coaching staff doesn't feel like there's enough here to work with I think it's fine to make that decision. Darnold has he one of the big things he had going for him was he was super young when he came into the league. He's still super young. He could still play for another 10 years in this league, but he's had opportunities. Has it been great? Has he had a lot of talent around him? No. But they gave him a shot. They had a coach and a and an organization who was willing to give, you know, pretty good draft compensation for this player um so you you got to kind of take it like especially once every all the dominoes started kind of falling you know around you know some of the free agent players you know what is you know what is um what is Drew Brees doing you know is Aaron Rodgers going to get moved is he not going to get moved like like all these things were happening and it made for a more interesting time where someone like Sam Darnold's value was lowered but then as things started to coalesce and people realized who they had or they didn't have or who was on the market or who was off the market or who was getting traded or who wasn't getting traded, who was staying with organizations, um, it became clear that like he had value, someone wanted him for something. And like I am always a favor in delaying gratification um for someone like if they didn't know they had it and they knew they were going to take someone anyway, like just move them now. And especially like, I think if you were in a different market, if you were in Minnesota or Kansas city or something like that, you could get away with drafting a quarterback and, you know, playing, playing your veteran for a year or whatever. But like, I mean, dude, like, you know what the media is like in New York. And there was no way like living that out for a year would have been exhausting exhausting it would have been the only thing that anybody in the media uh who covers the Jets wants to talk about for a year and it would have just been exhausting so it's like just take this energy out of the organization and let us move forward in our kind of all gas no break approach which is what they're doing and so yeah in the end I'm happy they they took a quarterback I don't think I would have taken now again I'm not a general manager in the NFL but like I'm pretty sure I would have taken a Trey Lance or a Justin Fields over Zach Wilson. But, you know, time will tell if I'm right or wrong. At a minimum, they got him a ton of fascinating and uh, developing players to put around him. And I think it's only going to get better from here.
1: That's going to wrap up part one of our off-season review with Brian Bassett, the godfather of Jets podcasts. We'll be back with part two tomorrow. In the meantime, make sure you follow Brian on Twitter at Brian underscore Bassett. And check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. Luke Grant's got a brand new video up right now. Showing why C.J. Mosley could very well be the key to the Robert Sala, Jeff Ulbrich defense for the Jets this year. A huge piece for them that gets overlooked a little bit because he's missed almost all of the last two years. So make sure you check that out with All22Film. Kayla Pace has her commentaries up there, too. Pace's Playbook. They're exclusive to the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. So if you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and subscribe to our channel and watch all the videos. And if you haven't given us a five-star review on the podcast yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's PlayLikeAJetDigital Digital and PlayLikeAJet.com.